Before we start the show this week, I want to thank our sponsors at SeatGeek. Anthony and I love this app. Behind MLB at Bat, it's probably the most used app on my phone. I, I go to 50 plus ball games every summer and almost every ticket I buy is through the SeatGeek app. I've been using it long before they started sponsoring us. Uh, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's basically a ticket aggregator for the secondary market. It ranks via a color-coded system which seats have the best value across multiple ticket brokers. You can get views from the seats and you can compare prices. So like if someone is selling their ticket for 100 bucks in row five, you can see if someone from a different site is selling their seat for, I don't know, 90 bucks in row four. Even if I'm not going to a game, honestly, I'll sometimes just pop open the app and check it out just so I can see what ticket prices are going for across the country. Just trust me on this one. Download the app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Use the code clubhouse and receive a $20 rebate on your first ticket purchase. Our show is always going to be free for you guys. We really would just appreciate it if you could support our sponsors a little bit. And it's just going to make your lives easier. On to the show. This week on the Clubhouse, our stadium series continues as we revisit the venue of the 2015 MLB All-Star Game, the Great American Ballpark, home of the Cincinnati Reds. Anthony is currently touring the country with his hit Broadway musical, If Then. Go to ifthenthemusical.com tour to find out when he is coming to your town. Over the next couple of months, Anthony and I will be dedicating one episode to every team, and we'll be discussing why we think you should visit each and every one of their home ballparks. We are also including episodes from my Rounding Third podcast, which features interviews with fans I met as I made my 17,000-mile drive across the country to attend a ball game in all 30 stadiums. There are also some truly amazing guests that we have lined up, so make sure that you subscribe to the show on iTunes for free so you never miss one of our wonderful guests that we'll be sprinkling in every couple of weeks or so. This episode was recorded in the Oakwood Apartments in Los Angeles, California. Blue Jays win it! Touch them all, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Got him! 20 strikeouts! He ties the Major League record! There it goes! See ya! I don't believe what I just saw! And he's out by five feet at the plate! And that was the worst base running in the history of the game! Fly ball! Welcome to the show, everybody. It is a wonderful day for baseball. My name is Manish Jain. Sitting next to me, as always, his face obscured by a pop filter, is Mr. Anthony Rath. They don't even know what a pop filter is. A pop filter is a mesh device that that prevents the uh, uh, peas from popping and the oh my goodness, the uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the on the the uh, not sibilant. That's the s's. The plosive. plosive. Thank plosive. you. The plosive peas. Uh, it is once again. Just woke up. All right, uh, the plosive peas from from popping in your ears. So I think uh, it's like something that prevents me from hearing NSYNC music. <laughs> Dirty pop. Yeah. Uh, uh, my childhood references. Uh, <laughs> so on today's very special uh, stadium series, we're going to continue breaking down every single ballpark in the land while Anthony is uh, gallivanting across the country, uh, and on this episode. It's going to be a little bit of a short one because you've already heard us talk about this beautiful, beautiful ballpark twice this season because we've been there twice in 2015. Sure have. And that's the great American ballpark, the home of the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, and I, I didn't know that great American ballpark 
was a reference to a company called Great American Insurance. An insurance, insurance. company. <laughs> so that kind of bummed me out when I found out. But no, it's, it's really one of the nicer uh, stadiums, I think. It really is. Yeah, it's and especially um, like where it's situated is it, on the river. The, you can see the river from most of the seats in you know in the stands, unless you're sitting in the I guess the the outfield bleachers because it's behind <laughs> you. you turn around and look. Um, but it's it's a very very comfortable, intimate, uh, beautifully positioned. It's it's along it's it's in this little neighborhood that's really building up nicely of uh, you know where there's you know restaurants and bars nearby it's, it's close to the regular downtown area of cincinnati just uh, it's all the things about um going to a ballpark that i love in a, in a city when it's when it's combined with we went to a museum there didn't we yeah we went to the underground museum the underground museum that's what it was it was fantastic. right down the street the underground right sorry, the underground railroad museum yeah well, right down the street yeah. from the ballpark yeah. that that was really moving and yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Cincinnati is fantastic. Yeah. I I love 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 that ballpark. They did a wonderful job with the All Star Game. Yeah, um, they did. And the only my only complaint about the right. ballpark is the food. Oh, it's really hard for for people like myself who don't eat the meat. There's very little selection. Yeah, very 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 little. Yeah, a lot of the other ballparks have really gotten on board with uh, gluten free stuff or vegan stuff or vegetarian stuff or or, or just a very a very very wide and varied uh, uh, food selection. But a lot of the folks in the Midwest uh, still have not really jumped on that bandwagon. We love our meat in in the Midwest, and so uh, you also. I mean, I'll bring it up even though because uh, it's not the only thing you didn't like about it. Well, the and the the, the fake boat. <sighs> I didn't like the fake boat. Thing. I like the fake boat. I think the fake. I think it, it represents Jesus, that city. I think it represents that city. And I think riverboats and Cincinnati go hand in hand. And it looks like it's on the water. Yeah, it's an it's optical illusion. Black glass. It's so cool. Like and you can go glass. up there and have a little party. I'm happy for the party people. <laughs> it really goes like, yeah, it's a little bit of an eyesore. And out of, you know, if you're sitting in, I think that's like, honestly a little bit of an eyesore. That's sure. the only thing. That, that and the food. And the food is only impactful if you want to eat. <laughs> sure. But there's so much great stuff in that ballpark as far as there's there's great stuff for kids. Um, they've got the a mini field inside the baseball stadium, which some stadiums have it. Sometimes they, they don't. They'll have them outside the park, inside the park or whatnot. But inside the concourse, there's a little mini field for, for the kids to play in. There's also, I don't know if, I can't remember. I think I showed you the slide, right? Yeah, you showed me the slide. There was, which is, I think, my favorite thing about the whole thing is that there's a slide that goes uh, down to, it's a, it's a, uh, what is it called? Like it's a twisty slide or just a, a you know whatever the, one of those slides that that's kind of a circular in nature that goes down to the actual batting cages, the big boy batting cages, and so you have to get in a slide to get down there, which I think is just awesome. Um, there's also the the rose garden, the Pete Rose Garden. Sure. Uh, it's now called the Pete Rose Garden, but it is the Rose Garden with a singular white rose to represent uh, the hit king, because as we all know, Mr. Rose, it is not only is he banned from baseball but he's not allowed you're not allowed to have any reference to him inside a baseball stadium his yeah. name is not allowed to be up his picture's not allowed to be up he is just not allowed anywhere within <laughs> unless he's being employed by fox obviously um and they have a very very extensive hall of fame probably the best the, well maybe not the best but the the biggest and the most uh uh I mean, it rivals Cooperstown as far as the museum aspect of it, just for the breadth 
of of things you can do there because it's got a, yeah. a, a theater, it's got interactive stuff, it's got a a uh, pitching cage where you can uh, toss some, you know, practice your your pitches and and also out there, which is really cool uh, when you're in there the in their Hall of Fame. While you're trying to to pitch off the off the mound there, they also have little metal balls that you can kind of like baseballs, metal baseballs that you can. Uh, practice your grips so like it shows you oh, yeah there's yeah. a little sheet that shows you here's how to throw a fastball here's yeah. how to throw a curveball well, not your... necessarily throw but grip grip i'm sorry <laughs> grip so yes so that then you can go and, yes. and and so yeah i mean it's it's super interactive and and crazy fun however super jingoistic yes like the most jing- that i mean that <laughs> and probably the royals hall of fame was also pretty no, you like the Royals one. No, that was the difference between the Royals one, remember? He said, because the Royals no, but once one... we were in the... Not that... No, we're talking about the movie. The yeah, movie, the movie the, the was The movie of Cincinnati Reds was so jingoistic. Yeah, and the, the movie, movie in Kansas City was, was not. not. But then the museum but, itself... Yes, the rest of the museum was definitely a little... Uh, a lot of... That's me patting myself on the back. It's a lot of, you know, and, hey, and, we're and, awesome. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's an interesting thing with the Hall of Fame and, and Museum. It's, to me, it, of course, it celebrates the, the accomplishments, but it's also meant to sell, to sort of talk about the whole history and context. I mean, I thought that the Braves Museum, and the Braves had that huge run of success, but it was just somehow less sort of rah-rah. It was, sure. just, it was just sort here's, of Here's what here's it is. What yeah. You know, so it's like that. Like the the difference of being so like over the top, like the greatest team of the history of creation, <laughs> the most me- the nineteen seventy five World Series, the most memorable World Series was it? Yeah. Was I it? Mean, you know, yeah. I mean, for you, of course sure, it was. Sure, sure. But like I said, but as I as I contended, look at the end of the day, ninety five percent of the people that are going to be sitting in those seats are going to be Reds fans. And so, of course, they're going to want to sit there and be like, it was, 75 was. I mean, to them, 75, I'm sure it was a, a an insanely memorable World Series for them. And so they know their audience. They're, they're playing to their audience. I think in in Kansas City, the one, uh, the, the, the problem was they just kept on focusing on the owner. And it wasn't so much about the teams. It was how magnanimous and wonderful and, and perfect the owner was. Yes, and and everything was like, all right, Steinbrenner Jr., pull back the reins a little bit. Yeah. Like that's We're all very proud of it. We all, without the owners, we wouldn't have the teams. And I, I respect and, and admire the owners and good for them. But come on. Yeah, no, sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, the, the, their Hall of Fame is fantastic. Uh, the way that they secretly reference uh pete rose you know so they got the the 14 bats uh which caught fire this year uh but 14 bats uh, they strike people out they flames flames come out of the big bat crown um behind the scoreboard so not technically inside the stadium but outside the stadium there's a giant picture of a bat of a baseball bat and that is uh pete rose's bat so they've they've done a lot of very subtle things here and there to remind folks of the hit king um but I love, yeah, I said I love Cincinnati. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not really much more we should say about that just because we, we've had a couple of episodes on them already. So if you'd like to hear more on our thoughts on Cincinnati, go back to the Reds episode or our run of All-Star Game episodes and you'll hear us wax poetic about that beautiful ballpark. Thanks. Thank you guys so much. Uh, you're going to be uh, next. I'm going to lead you into the rounding third portion of this episode in which I interview a man, an older gentleman named Virgil, who uh, was telling me some really great stories about growing up, uh, uh, not in Cincinnati, but having to kind of climb hills and climb mountains to listen to uh, radio broadcasts of the Reds. And we talk about Pete a little bit. And so I hope you will enjoy the rounding third episode of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. 
here in the clubhouse. We're just going to take a brief break so that I can tell you how to get in touch with Anthony or me. You can follow us on Twitter at ClubhousePod. Visit our website, clubhousepodcast.com, for extensive links and information about some of the baseball moments we discussed on the show. There are also photos from our cross-country road trip for you to peruse at your leisure. We love hearing from our listeners and getting you involved with the discussion. So please email us at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your favorite baseball stories, your favorite baseball films, why your team or ballpark is so special. Or honestly, just if you want to say hello. If you are a new listener to the Clubhouse Podcast, welcome. For more great baseball conversations, take a look at our archives, like our chat with the owner of the Burgino Baseball Clubhouse in Manhattan, Jay Goldberg. In this clip, Jay explains why Shea Stadium will always be his favorite ballpark. You know, it's funny because, uh, yeah, it was a dump, but it was also beautiful in, sure. in a way to a Mets fan. Sure. It's because it's my dump. Exactly. exactly. And <laughs> no, it was that's, really that's... New York. It's kind of like if you love New York, you love like the, I think it was a Cole Porter song or whatever. I, I, I love the stink of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just the way it is. It's so you love. I loved all the concrete. It's very New York, that yeah, part. Yeah. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rounding Third with Manish Jane. Today's episode, the Cincinnati Reds and the Great American Ballpark. Baseball's real origin story has never really been hammered down. For years, we thought that Abner Doubleday invented the game in Cooperstown, New York. That was soon debunked. Then all of a sudden, Alexander Cartwright Jr. becomes the new father of baseball. But then up until recently, we found out that that might not necessarily be true either. Then there's Daniel Lucas Adams, William Rufus Wheaton, Louis Fenn Wadsworth. I mean, there's, there's a laundry list of gentlemen who have been attributed with inventing our great game. The one thing that we do know for certain, though, is that the first professional baseball team was the Cincinnati Red Stockings in 1869. And because of that, for decades, Cincinnati played home to baseball's official opening day, opening the season with a parade and pretty much a holiday in the city of Cincinnati. It's something that I'd always wanted to go to when I was a kid. Watching the, the Reds open up was a matter of tradition, and going to the parade it was a big aspiration of mine when I was a young lad. Unfortunately, the 90s came around and Major League Baseball and all of its infinite wisdom decided to take away opening day from Cincinnati and instead give it to a rotating team every single year, sometimes opening up in international cities like Puerto Rico and Japan and into the 2014 season, Australia. I appreciate the global effort uh, on the, on the uh, uh, part of Major League Baseball. I appreciate that they want to make this game an international game. I enjoy the World Baseball Classic. I like seeing other countries getting so into the game. In fact, when this tour is over, I plan on doing a tour of the International Park someday. I'm really looking forward to that. But to me, opening day should always have been in Cincinnati. Baseball is a game about tradition. Baseball is a game that, that respects its history, that respects its legacy, that unlike really any other professional sport I can think of, it embraces and and... It teaches kids to look back into the 1900s and the 1800s. I honestly can't think of anything from when I was a kid that made me interested in the 1800s more than baseball. 
now that may have opened myself up to learning about American history or world history or anything down those paths, but what really linked me to the 1800s to begin with was the fact that baseball was invented then and the fact that, that they were still playing baseball in the mid-1800s, in the late 1800s. Much like I'm assuming many of you, I was born in the 1900s. So the 1800s weren't that far out of the realm of reality in my brain, but think about it. To a kid born in 2013, the year 1800 is going to seem like, I mean, the Middle Ages is going to seem like it was just thousands of years ago. And I'm talking about when they're four, five, six years old, because that's really when I started becoming very, very passionate about the game of baseball. And so to have the Cincinnati Reds opening up the season, it just gave you that added sense of, of, of legacy and honor and tradition. And it was that one moment where you can to teach your kids, you know, these guys have been doing this since the mid-1800s. Think about that. Grandfathers, great-grandfathers, great-great-grandfathers, great-great-great-grandfathers have been doing the same thing for the last 100-plus years. Most of the hours of my day are spent thinking about the future. What am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do next year? What am I going to do 10 years from now? That's, that's the way my brain works. But on that one day every year, opening day in Cincinnati, that gave me a reason to connect to my past, to think about my past, to remember back to past opening days or opening days when I wasn't alive for and, and to connect me to a generation that came before me. Cincinnati may have lost the official opening day, but they continue to have a parade every season on April 1st. And that's something that I do plan on attending at one point in my life because that's the way it should be across the nation. April 1 should be a national holiday. It's my favorite day in the year, and I'm assuming it's your favorite day too. It trumps my birthday. It trumps any holidays. It trumps everything. April 1st is the best day of the year. Built in 2003, the Great American Ballpark is one of the stadiums that inspired me to do this, this uh, whole tour in the first place. After years of playing at Riverfront Stadium and sharing that with the Bengals, and before that, the historic Crosley Field, the Great American Ballpark always looked to me like the perfect stadium. I don't know why. On TV, it just came across as a place that I desperately wanted to go watch a baseball game. For those of you who have listened to past episodes, you'll know that I'm a sucker for water. So any ballpark that is built right on the riverfront like it is in Cincinnati, that's going to get me excited to go see a game. But in addition to that, the area around the ballpark is also just absolutely beautiful and filled with really fun activities for kids and adults. You've got your obligatory amazing restaurants and bars lined in the streets where if, the, if there's one thing that I'm disappointed in myself of uh, not being able to take advantage of during this tour has been the local bars and restaurants outside of the stadium. I just wish there was more time. Unfortunately, my schedule is so jam-packed that I just have not been able to really partake in the late night activities. I got to get my sleep and I got to get back on the road. This is one of the cities that I desperately wanted to have at least one more day in because everyone that I ran into outside of the ballpark just looked like they were having so much fun. From the swing sets that are built along the riverfront to uh, I saw a family of four all in a, I don't even know what you would call it. It's not so much a tandem bike. It was 
all four of them sitting in, in almost like a go-kart type thing where they were all pedaling. I'm not sure if someone knows what the, the name of something like that is, please let me know. But it looked like a lot of fun where just a family of four were, were pedaling down the street. While I didn't really see any official, you know, designated areas like a Utah Street in, in Baltimore or a Yawkey Way in, in Boston, the area around the ballpark seemed to attract families to just come and the only way for me to describe it is it's almost as if I went back in time or at least what my version of going back in time would be which is when you would see just kids playing with a hoop and a and a stick <laughs> you know knocking the hoop down 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 the sidewalk or you'd see families just enjoying themselves taking a nice Sunday stroll it was just really pleasant that's the word I would use for it. It was really just pleasant and relaxing. Outside of the stadium is actually where I met my interview subject for today's game, a fascinating man who was sitting there with his daughter and her children. They were all playing in a fountain outside the stadium, having a blast, but uh, I'll get to that a little bit later. I haven't decided yet how I plan on ranking all the stadiums when this is all said and done. At this point, I'm sure I'm just going to have 20 different lists because it's going to be impossible to really rank them based on on a singular category because the one thing that I will give Cincinnati that by a wide margin so far they have they have won and it's going to be hard for me to see someone top this is their hall of fame now I've been to several great halls of fame on this tour, Tampa's got a great museum. Atlanta had a really fun museum. Kansas City had a wonderful Hall of Fame inside the ballpark. But here in Cincinnati, they really went above and beyond. The Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame and Museum is something that I highly, highly, highly recommend every single one of you get in your car or get in a train or a plane. During the season, off-season, doesn't matter. Make a trip to Cincinnati to check out this Hall of Fame because it was absolutely spectacular. Unlike those other Halls of Fame, Cincinnati's is actually separate from the ballpark itself, which I asked and I didn't really get a straight answer, but I'm going to go ahead and assume, and this is my assumption, that they did this so that they could include as much Pete Rose memorabilia as possible. Because as I'm sure you all know, with Pete's banning from baseball, he's not allowed to have any type of representation within the actual stadium itself. The Reds have gotten around that kind of cleverly where there is a great picture, uh, painting rather, inside of the stadium where you can check it out on roundingthird.net. But there's a great painting that shows kind of the uh, legends of the Cincinnati Reds. And on the table in the painting is just one singular red rose. So Pete might not be represented in that photo himself, but there is a rose that symbolizes his legacy in the Reds organization. But since the Hall of Fame is outside of the stadium and it's its own standalone building and it's several stories high, actually, it's really something uh, uh, quite impressive. They can have as much Pete Rose memorabilia as they'd like. Uh, I ended up going to taking a tour of the stadium and going to the Hall of Fame the day after I went to the game, and uh, I couldn't have been happier with that decision because I spent probably a good, I don't know, maybe four four hours, I think it was, about three or four hours inside that, that Hall of Fame, and if I didn't have to get back on the road, I would have spent longer. 
it's really quite something to see. It's educational, it's interactive, it's fun, it's, like I said, it's, it's so far, it is by far the most comprehensive and best Hall of Fame that I've seen associated with a team. The last thing I'll mention about the outside of the stadium, because I've been talking for 10 minutes and haven't even gotten inside the ballpark yet, but outside, there is a quote that is posted in giant red letters that you can see from the highway and that you can see from all angles of the ballpark. And it is uh, rounding third and heading for home. Now, I, I never claimed that rounding third was an, you know, terribly original name. Rounding third is something that we tend to hear quite often while we're watching a ball game. And I will also admit that my knowledge of Cincinnati Reds broadcasters is sadly not very strong. So when all the good people in, in Cincinnati assumed that my rounding third name was somehow paying homage to the legendary Reds broadcaster Joe Nuxhall, I had to sadly admit that no, this is just a, a coincidence, but it's happy coincidence because this is now something that I feel I'm, I'm connected to the city of Cincinnati. We now share this rounding third motif and... Seeing the giant rounding third in red letters outside of the stadium brought a smile to my face, and I got a great picture of it, which, as always, plug, 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 roundingthird.net, check out my Cincinnati Reds post. I think you'll enjoy it. But that's enough about the outside of the ballpark. Now we need to talk about the inside and how much cool, fun stuff there is to do inside a great American ballpark. The first thing that I need to mention is that I wish I didn't have a bad back, and I wish I was 20 years younger, because I saw quite possibly the coolest thing I've seen in any other stadium at the Great American Ballpark. Most of the, the stadiums do have batting cages set up where you can take a couple of cuts uh, for you know a couple of dollars here or there, but here in Cincinnati, they have the coolest thing I've ever seen. In order to get to the batting cages, you can take the stairs down one level and you can uh, you know uh, buy a ticket that way, but the infinitely more fun version is they have an actual slide um oh god i don't even know how to uh, it's like a water park slide you know it's the one that twists in, in a circle i'm sure there's a name for it but once again my brain is failing me at this moment it's it's a circular slide i don't know how you know what i'm talking about but that's how you get to the batting cages <laughs> it is so awesome i just sat there and watched a bunch of kids <laughs> just to slide down the slide over and over again and got very, very jealous that I'm too old and my body is too broken down to partake in such activities. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Pete Rose is not allowed to be referenced inside of the stadium, which, you know, is very sad to me. That's I, I, I understand the decision by Major League Baseball. I, I appreciate the rules that are in place, but... To try and whitewash that man from history is a mistake, and all you're doing is making him more of a legend and more of a person to be discussed, which, you know, right now we're talking about him for the wrong reasons. We should be talking about his accomplishments on the field, and then, yes, separately talk about the mistakes that he made. But by trying to eliminate him from history, all you're doing is making him into an even bigger legend. But until the day comes where Major League Baseball allows Pete to be referenced inside of, of the stadium, 
the Reds have done a really clever job of sneakily trying to put references to Pete anywhere they can, which includes the back of the scoreboard, which you can only see technically from outside of the stadium, so they're not doing anything wrong. But there is a, a black and white image of just some nondescript baseball bat, which, from what I understand, may have been Pete's old baseball bat. Uh, inside the ballpark, there's a painting that that uh, showcases legends that I mentioned earlier uh, from Red's past with a single red rose sitting on a table inside of the baseball clubhouse. Next to the batting cages, there's a beautiful rose garden with one singular white rose. I don't know what that means. You can make your own judgments, but uh, it's a beautiful rose garden with just one singular white rose. So, I mean, they're, they're doing their best to try and honor the man who is baseball's hit king. And probably my favorite reference, which is not technically a reference, but sure, is the power stacks that are located directly next to the riverboat in center field. And these power stacks are giant pillars. And at the top of it, there are baseball bats in a circle that kind of look like a shape of a crown. So maybe something that, let's say, a hit king might wear, an all-time hit king. I don't know who that would be. You can make your own assumptions. But uh, it's really fun to watch because every time there's a strikeout or a home run, there's giant uh, fire, not fireworks, but actual, you know, puffs of fire will come screaming out of those power stacks. And uh, it's just really adds to the atmosphere and is pretty exciting every time there's, there's a major play happening on the field. Overall, that's probably my favorite aspect of this ballpark and this city altogether is how much they do connect to their to their history and how much they do honor their history and it's something that I appreciate very much about this city and this ballpark. I got a chance to talk to a gentleman who's been a Reds fan for for decades and told me some great stories about the Big Red Machine and Marge Schott and just growing up as a Reds fan and the lengths that he would go to to listen to a Reds game while living in Montana long before national TV was ever a possibility. Uh, his name is Virgil. It was his birthday, and this was the, his family treated him to a Reds game as a birthday present. So I hope you'll enjoy this brief interview, and I'll see you on the other side. Enjoy. I am sitting outside of Great American Ballpark at this beautiful area that I have here with fountains and swings set up. And uh, I've met this uh, lovely gentleman here who it actually happens to be his birthday tomorrow, I hear. But uh, I've heard you're a Reds fan for quite some time. So uh, uh, your name is? Virgil Clausen. Virgil, nice to meet you. So I heard that you grew up maybe in, uh, or at least you spent some time in Montana. And during their t your time in Montana, you had a very unique way of trying to follow the Reds games. Can you tell me a little bit about how that was? Yes, uh, when I come home in the evening from uh, town, we lived outside of Helena, Montana, and if I was starting to pick up WLW, which was the Reds flag station, uh, I would go up to the top of the mountain pass right next to us, McDonald's Pass, where the reception was better, and I would listen to the Reds games up there. It would only happen once in a while, but it was unique and it was being able to be in touch with home is what it was, and listen to the Reds. So uh, what brought you to being a Reds fan to begin with? I was born in Cincinnati when I was growing up. Mom used to listen to it on the radio when I was a little kid, and I just attached myself to them, like a lot of people do, hometown. 
So you got a chance to maybe visit Crosley Field then? Yes, yes. Got you got to tell me some stories about that. <laughs> uh, caught a home run ball from Willard Marshall one time in the right field uh, stands. In fact, the Jack Klump, who was the photographer of the post at that time, took a picture and sent me a blow-up of it. I sent him a note saying I caught that ball and I saw the picture in the newspaper and I asked him if I could have a copy of it and he sent me a blow-up picture of that. And uh, yeah, it was Willard Marshall, saw the 1953 World, or no, I'm sorry, All-Star game there, saw my two favorites, Satchel Paige in the American League and Ted Klazuski in the National League. That is absolutely tremendous. So can you actually, if you can think back, can you remember your first ever experience in any baseball stadium, just what it felt like for you to walk inside a big league ballpark? Still feels that way. <laughs> when I walk into this ballpark, a great American ballpark, at the beginning of each year, I have to stop for a minute and it brings tears to my eyes. That's just how attached I am and how the ride of spring uh, affects me. Uh, been that, I'm probably more that way now than when I was back when I first started going. First game, it was at Crosley Field. I remember one time I was in the first row, first uh, base box seats, and Pete Rose had just come up, and he was running over. There was a, a foul ball over towards us, and he was running over, and they had a little, uh, like a cyclone fence, and he jammed his foot. He ran in, about knocked us all over. <laughs> he jammed his foot underneath that cyclone fence. And he said, guys, pick up the fence so I can get my foot out. So <laughs> we all pulled the fence up so he could jerk his foot. And then he ran back to second base. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Yeah. You saved his leg there. <laughs> Nicely done, sir. So, well, you brought up Pete Rose. So, I mean, I've got to hear some stories about the big red machine years because I'm unfortunately a little bit too young to have really experienced any of that. But I've read a lot of stories about what it was like to be a Reds fan during that time. And, I mean, that just must have been uh, one of the most amazing, you know, uh, couple of years of your life. Right. Um, it spoiled Cincinnati fans because <laughs> yeah. they still think they, they you should have that every year. But that was just a unique team. I mean, just the whole thing. We used to wait uh, down after the ball game to get autographs and everything, and each one of the family had their own favorite ball player. Pete Rose only lived about five miles from where we did. Uh, my ex-son-in-law uh, worked for Marge Schott as her property manager. Oh, my. And uh, one time I got to sit in the captain's chair at Riverfront, that was her chair, where she always sat for the ball games. Uh, he was uh, uh, given those tickets by Marge, and uh, nobody sat in those seats except her. We came into that ball game, sat down, and I no sooner sat down in Marge's chair than the usher was boom right there. <laughs> you can't sit there, sir. You know, and my ex-son-in-law Donald said. Uh, uh, yes, he can. Mrs. Schott gave us these tickets, and he said, check with her. And she was back in her bo uh, box for some reason, and she gave the usher a thumbs up. And that is awesome. We were okay. So, yeah, there was just some of the little things, you know. No, absolutely. Yeah. So now, do you think that that was ultimately your your favorite experience here in Great American? Or what do you Probably. think? Oh, okay, is that one? Or, or is there anything else that really sticks out as you're saying, you know what, this is quintessentially Reds baseball, Cincinnati baseball, Great American Ballpark, this is baseball. That was it, yes. Sitting there uh, in her chair and looking out of the ball club and everything. Yeah, that would be it. 
I, uh, I have a personal favorite on this team, Bronson Arroyo. He's pitching tonight. Yeah. And uh, I think that the second thing I would always go back to is my grandson and I came to Reds Fest in December where the ball club mingles with the team and everything. I think they all do it now. But we got our picture taken with uh, uh, Bronson and uh, Mike Leak, or I'm sorry, Mike Lincoln. And uh, he's gone now. Uh, but they had had two years before a free hat night. And they gave away a Bronson Arroyo hat with Velcroed hair on the back <laughs> like his. So I wore it nice. to that uh, uh, picture thing, you know, and when I walked up, <laughs> Bronson looked at me, grinned, he says, I like the hat. And I said, uh, well, how come my hair's lighter than yours? Because I think he works on his a little bit, you know, yeah. I've read a little bit about that. But that was, that's probably my second time. Okay. Now, what is it, do you think, about, if you can even, you know, put it into words, what is it about the game of baseball that, you know, has just, you said earlier that you know when you still walk into the stadium every single spring, you you almost get a little emotional, you know, yeah. and it really yeah. uh, has quite an effect. And what do you think it is about the game of baseball as opposed to basketball or football or hockey or any number of things, you know, or even theater or any number of things that we can get involved with in this country? What is it about baseball that just year after year after year can elicit such a wonderful uh, uh, experience? Kind of goes with spring to me. It's the renewal of life. Uh, the flowers are coming out. The plants that. Trees are starting to leaf out, and uh, it's that time of year just about when, you know, summer's beginning and, and kind of like life's renewing itself. And that's just a reminder to me. It's just the, the you, baseball is not a television game. Baseball, you have to experience in the park. I agree. It's all part of it. And uh, uh, football's perfect for TV, things like that, but baseball... It's everything that goes on, everything you can watch, the people. And even now with the scoreboards being so interactive and everything, it's just a fun thing to do. I agree 100%. We'll end with this then. So in your uh, couple of decades here of coming and watching baseball in Cincinnati, you know, has anything really changed? Or do you think that, you know, when you watch the game in Crosley, as far as just the experience inside the ballpark, you know, is there anything that's a little, that, that you think is a little bit different? Not really. Uh, this... The ownership here now, the Castellinis, this is a very family-friendly ballpark. And they they keep it that way, and they take good care of the fans here. So uh, the experience is pretty much the same. It really is. I think it's a uh, little more, well, I don't know how to say it, uh, probably a little bit better with all the extra stuff and everything going. Sure. Bill Vick started that when he started the fireworks and all that good stuff. Uh, it's entertainment, and, and uh, it's it's a lot more entertaining. You have so many other things besides just the ball thing now, the ball game. So that would be the difference, I think, is the extra entertainment that goes on around it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it, and happy birthday, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. And we're back. So you can hear there in that interview that there were some kids playing in the background in the fountain. Sorry about that uh, ambient fountain noise in the background. I hope it wasn't too uh, distracting, but I had such a great time talking to Virgil. You know, that's something that you don't get in a lot of stadiums where you can just sit down and have a nice long conversation with an old timer and listen to some stories about what it was like. And he got to see games at Crosley Field. 
that is that is I'm very envious of that. You know, I may have now embarked on this 30 stadium tour in the 2000s, but there is just a laundry list of of old stadiums that I wish I could have gotten a chance to go to. And at the top of that list is Crosley Field. I had very high expectations for the Great American Ballpark before I embarked on this tour. And I am very happy to say that not only did they meet my expectations, but they exceeded it tenfold. I had an absolute, just wonderful time. It was so much fun here in Cincinnati from the Hall of Fame to the stadium to the people to the food. There wasn't a bad moment to be had. If you want to read more about my experience at the Great American Ballpark, uh, please check out runningthird.net where you can see my write-up on the stadium as well as my experience doing the tour of the ballpark and the museum. Uh, And also, the one thing that I haven't mentioned yet is while I was in Cincinnati, I took the opportunity to drive an hour and a half south and check out the Louisville Slugger Museum, which is where they uh, manufacture and and uh, display all of the Louisville Slugger bats that um, the majority of Major League Baseball players use. That was really that was something I was not planning on doing, and it was actually at U.S. Cellular Field that the Louisville Slugger people were handing out um, free admission to uh, to take the tour, and so I. Um, I'm glad that happened because I would not have thought to go down there and check it out, but it was a really fun time. Uh, Unfortunately, they did not let me take pictures on the tour itself. You can take photos inside the museum, but when they actually tour the factory where you get to watch the process of how a bat is made, which is quite fascinating, uh, no photos were allowed on that tour. So it looks like you're going to have to make yourself a trip down to Louisville and and check that out for yourself because it was really uh, uh quite, quite interesting and they give you some cool souvenirs after you're done i got a mini bat and um also it's a little nub not quite sure how to describe it but um a baseball bat is made out of something called a billet which is kind of this circular piece of wood and after they shave it all down to just get the baseball bat part of it there are these little nubs on either end of it that they saw off and at the end of the tour, you're able to uh, grab a couple for yourself for some souvenirs. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. Cincinnati, I, I had a, an absolutely wonderful time visiting you. And uh, I hope to come back sometime soon for that opening day parade. In the meantime, if you think there's something that I missed or there's something that I need to focus on the next time I come to your wonderful city, please shoot me an email at roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at RoundingThirdMJ on Twitter. Um, obviously, check out the website, RoundingThird.net, for all the write-ups and photos from the stadiums I've been to thus far. I want to thank every single one of you for listening. It really is an honor. I've gotten some very lovely emails, and uh, keep them coming because I love reading them, and I'm getting back to them as quickly as I can. Next up is going to be the Cleveland Indians and Progressive Field. So stay tuned for that, Ohioans. I haven't left your state quite yet. So I hope you'll join me next time as I continue to round third, heading for home. The home base for the Clubhouse podcast is the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse located at 67 East 11th Street in New York City. Seriously, folks, this is without a doubt my favorite baseball spot in the country. From the baseball-inspired artwork on the walls to the one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale and the amazing baseball fans that are just hanging out on the bleachers inside the store, This place is the best. If you can't make it into Bergino's in person, please visit Bergino.com. 
and pick up a gift for your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, really anybody in your life, or even just yourself. If you can make it in, make sure you mention the podcast and you'll get a free bag tag with any purchase. You can follow Anthony and I individually at Rounding3rdMJ for me and at AlbinoKid for Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week.